Good morning. Glad to have you here and uh, stuck my head over in North and a bunch of folks over there. Good to see them without their mask, but good to see you in here with your mask. Are you the same person anymore? Three of you aren't. Awesome. Now, that is the power of the gospel. And as we open the scriptures together, uh, the goal, very simply, is this, that by the time we're done looking at the scriptures, we won't be the same even from the way we came in, in terms of our love for God and our appreciation and our love for what he's done for us. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 1, we're in a series that we're simply calling Bless Fest. If you're new, that simply is, in these verses, a reality that the scripture says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And Ephesians 1 only names seven of them. So I don't want you to think in this process that that the word carfish that we've been using to remember these seven are the only seven spiritual blessings. They're the seven in Ephesians 1. So God has blessed us. He's the one who starts the bless festival, the bless fest, by blessing us. And he blesses us according to Ephesians 1 in seven ways. He has chosen us and we are adopted by him. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven our trespasses. We are informed into mystery. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we are heirs with Christ. That's the spiritual blessing we've been blessed with. And because he has blessed us, what do we do? Blessed be the God, we bless him meaning we give him praise. And the goal very simply is that the more time we spend in Ephesians 1 seeing how he has blessed us, we will have all the more greater praise for him. I hope you are being challenged to not just come and stand in here during our worship time and listen to other people sing, but that you are lifting up your praise to God because you know how much he has blessed you. And we don't just bless him, then we bless others. And so, friends, I've asked you many times, I simply ask you again, are the people that go to school with you glad you are there? part of their classes. The people you work with, you glad they, are they glad you work there? The people that live on your street, are they glad they live on the same street as you because you bless the people that are around you because God has blessed you. In other words, as God has chosen you and been kind to you, you're kind to them. As God has been good to you, you're good to them. We ask ourselves regularly, if this church disappeared from Mandarin on Old St. Augustine Road, would anybody care? Would it matter? No, I mean beyond the people who attend here. Would this community think, man, we have lost a great asset to this community because that church is no longer here. That is how we ought to live our lives as blessing of others because God has blessed us by choosing us, adopting us, redeeming us, forgiving us, informing us, sealing us as heirs. This morning, in him, every blessing that we have in Christ is because by faith we are 
in him. This was our picture when we started Ephesians 1, that we are in him, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed, heirs. In him, we have redemption through his blood, meaning that he freed us by payment. This is quick review from last week. The payment was the blood of Jesus because life could only be given life through another life. That's why blood. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus in order that we'd be freed from a life of futility. This unsharpened pencil last week was a picture of life apart from Jesus is a futile life. It's pointless. And there is no greater ability to write with this pointless pencil than it is that you are able to live life apart from Christ. Why? Because you were made for a relationship from him. You, did you hear that? You were made for a relationship with him. You can try to live life apart from him. You can try to write without a point on a pencil. It'll be pointless. This will be pointless. This is where life is found. In him. In Christ. But we've not just been redeemed. What did it say? We have been redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. That's what we're going to look at now this morning. Forgiveness. It simply means this. To be forgiven is to have our debts canceled. Redeemed is freed by payment. Forgiveness, we have a debt against us and it's been canceled. And here's what Jesus says about our debt being canceled. He says the key to you and me, watch, you and I blessing God for the blessing of forgiveness is going to be totally dependent upon our perception of the size of the debt that we have canceled. If you owe me 50 bucks and you, Ben, you owe me $50,000 and I say to both of you, forget it, canceled, forget it, canceled. Which one of you dudes love me more? <laughs> right? I mean, you're happy, 50 bucks, sweet, that's dinner. 50,000? Yes. You're like, hey, what can I do for you? Right? Sure. Jesus simply says, the size of your debt matters because if you have been forgiven, it's been canceled. You'll love me a lot more when you realize how much you have been forgiven. If you've been forgiven a little, what do you love? A little. A little. If you've been forgiven a lot, man, you love a lot. So, eyes for a moment. Really ask yourself, don't say it out loud, just ask yourself, how much do you really love God? It's in direct proportion to what you believe you've been forgiven by God. So if your praise is kind of, eh, 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 it's directly connected to the fact that your forgiveness, eh, 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 eh. it's not this sense of, man, I have been forgiven a boatload. My debt has been canceled. So 
What's our debt for? The forgiveness of our trespasses. The size of my debt is determined by how I have trespassed. So, very simple. This gives a good image. You've seen one of these signs. No trespassing, and you have ignored it. Yes? How many of you have ignored a no trespassing sign? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Wow, youth, you guys are on it. You've seen no trespassing, and you went, ah, what are they going to do, shoot me? And you've thought, probably not. You, now, you've, you've been certain they won't. I might get in trouble. Uh, I might get fined. Uh, I might get a, a, a little bit of trouble, but nobody's going to, like, shoot me. Because if you thought they were going to shoot you, you wouldn't trespass. You might get your buddy to trespass, but you wouldn't trespass. It would cost me that. So, have you trespassed against God? In other words, have you gone where God said, no trespassing here? In other words, God said, hey, that's lust. Don't go there. But you went there. Hey, that's sinful anger. But you went there. That was selfish. And you didn't just go there. You, like, built a house there. Every time we do or go where God has said, don't go, what have we done? We've trespassed. And it's just not in our actions, A-A-T-M, if you're looking at your message memo, simply means it's where I've gone in my actions and in my attitude and in my thought and in my motive. Now, why in that order? Because I know, at least for myself, I can learn how to clean up my actions. But I can do the right thing with a bad attitude. Some of you are going, yeah, I know how to do that. I can even then grow and learn to do the right thing with the right attitude. But if you knew what I was really thinking while I was doing that, you would go, whew, you are a long way from holy. And then I can like, do the right thing with the right attitude and think the right thing, the right thing, but I want you to think better of me because I did the right thing with the right attitude. You see what? It, sin isn't just our actions. It's our action, our attitude, our thought, our motive. And we have trespassed like mad when we start looking at it like that. And it's not just where I have gone, it's where I've not gone. It's, it's not just don't don't complain, it's give thanks in everything. <laughs> anyway, and when I don't, what am I guilty of? Trespassing. So my mom and my sister came down Thursday night from Pennsylvania. They flew out of Baltimore. Well, they tried to fly out of Baltimore, but they were iced in on Thursday. They're in an airplane for four and a half hours. And I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. It's like 80 degrees in Florida where they're trying to get to. And it's icy in Baltimore and they can't get out. So I text her and said, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. And my sister texts me back and says, mom says, I'm loved, warm, fed, and dry. What a saint. Because is that what you think when you're stuck in an airport? Oh, I'm warm, dry, fed. I could stay here for days. <laughs> you don't think that, do you? You're like, who's the, I need to talk. you're complaining, you're mad at everybody, and you're impatient, you're grumbling, trespassing. You see how big your debt is? 
when you start to think how much we trespass, we go where God says don't go in action, attitude, thought, and motive, and where we don't go where he said in action, attitude, thought, and motive. And the kicker is that the punishment for each trespass, not the salvation of all of them, the punishment for each one is death. It's as if it really does say, don't go there, and if you do, I'm going to shoot you, and not in the foot. You're going to die. You go in here, you step foot in here, you die. And we went in, and went in, and went in, and went in. Well, you and I deserve innumerable, in other words, more death sentences than we can count. You've probably heard of somebody on death row for like, they've been sentenced to death six times, and you think, what's the point? I mean, what's one? Well, what is the point of sentencing somebody for six times? <laughs> no chance. It's a reality that this will not be escaped. Can I have your eyes? Do you deserve innumerable death sentences for your trespassing? Yes or no? We all do. Now, a couple of weeks ago in Q&A, I was asked genuine question. We do the Q&A between the two services. I was asked, doesn't that seem like an overreaction? In other words, and they were genuine question. They said, I have family, they're not perfect, but they're good people trying to do good things. It's not like we're a bunch of Hitlers. It's an overreaction to say that, that people who are trying to do good and doing their best deserve the wrath of God. Doesn't seem right. And maybe you've thought, yeah, that seems like an overreaction. Maybe you think, hey, I'm not perfect, but hell, wrath of God, she's chill. Why do we think that way? Here's why. Because you and I don't get how holy God is. In fact, we've trespassed so much, we kind of go, holy, perfect, impossible. And so we intend, instead of thinking perfection, we think not as bad. So let me demonstrate how we ought to think about the holiness of God. Since mom and sister are here, Jackie made some brownies for the family. So we'll serve these this afternoon. Imagine just before my son, Clayton, who's over in North, takes a bite of the brownie, Jackie, my wife, goes, oh, oh, Clayton, uh, when I was making the brownies, your son Tatum had like an explosion in his diaper, like Seriously, it was like dripping down his leg. And I didn't see it at first, so it had not only gone down his leg, but it had gotten on the floor, and then he had seen it, so he had put his hands in it, and he was like, oh, what's that? And then he had like poop all over him. So I stopped making the brownies, and I got him cleaned up, and I washed myself off, and then I went back, finished the brownies, and just as I was putting it in the oven, I thought, oh, I have some poop on my arm. I think it might have fallen in the brownies. What do you think at that moment? Well, how much poop fell in? 
Was it like an Oreo size or donut size? Does it really matter? No. What the, once the brownies are poop brownies, they're like trash. Yes. We're going to throw them out. We're not going, well, that's not a lot, so let's eat. And you know what God sees in our lives? People who try to do their best. He says this, your righteousness, no offense, your righteousness, my righteousness, are like filthy rags, dirty diapers. And he doesn't look at that and go, well, it's, I mean, other people have had worse blowouts. He looks at that and says, anything sort of perfection, anything short, anything less than perfection is the complete opposite of who God is. It's a violation of holiness and anything short deserves death. Trash for the brownies. It's not a matter of how much. It's either perfect or it's not. And if it's not, It deserves death. So, are you the worst people on the planet? No. There's worse people. There's people who have worse blowouts than you. But do all of us deserve death? All of us. All of us deserve death. But what has God done? In him we have redemption. The, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We deserve it. And he has, what's he done? Canceled it. How? When you were dead in your transgressions, another word for trespasses or sin, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven, canceled the debt of all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. Now, that's a lot of words. Let me make it very simple for you. The debt against us was hostile to us because what did it say? Die. You deserve to die. A thousand times you deserve to die. That's hostile to us. And what's happened to that? He has taken it, that certificate of death that says you deserve death, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So he has not forgiven us by ignoring our sin. He's holy. He can't ignore it any more than you could ignore poop in your brownies. He does not ignore it. What he does is he takes it out of the way. And he does it by doing what? Nailing it to the cross. Now, most of you, when you think of the cross... You don't think of a scroll or a piece of paper nailed to the cross. You think of Jesus nailed to the cross, right? Yeah. Why do we think of Jesus nailed to the cross instead of a scroll of debt nailed to the cross? It's because when he died, he was paying 
the debt that I deserve a thousand times over. And he was paying the debt that you deserve a thousand times over. And he could do that because, watch, he died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. What's that mean? It means there was no certificate of debt against Jesus. He absolutely had lived a perfect thought in action, attitude, thought, and motive. And in his death, because he didn't have a debt to pay himself, he could pay for yours, he could pay for mine. And he could do it. This is going to be significant. We'll come back to it. He did it once for all. He didn't die, and then you trespassed again. He died again. You trespassed again. He died again. He, watch, you continue to trespass, yes? Are you going to sin tomorrow? Yeah. But he died once for all. Why? Because in his death, he was paying my debt. Not his. He didn't have one. He didn't have a debt. So in here, in Christ, I'm here because I've been chosen. I'm here because I've been adopted. I'm here because I've been redeemed. And I'm here because my debt that I deserve has been canceled through him paying mine. Is it good to be forgiven? <laughs> yeah. yeah, better than you and I could imagine. He has paid it for us. When it's out of the way, where is it? You will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So when he took it out of the way by nailing it to the cross, the scripture gives us three pictures. First, that he takes the guilt for my sin and he puts it in the depths of the sea. In other words, he puts it out of reach. I can't get to it. And he not only puts it out of reach, he says, it's you who has kept, me from, kept my soul from the pit of nothingness, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. This is, a, this is a good extra picture because it could be in the depths of the sea and I can't reach it, but I could, if it's clear water, still see it. But if it's out of reach and it's behind my back, watch. You ever done this to a little kid or a dog? You keep it behind their back and they keep going after it, but they can never, they can never see it. They can't only reach it, they can't see it. My guilt is out of reach and it's out of sight. But there's more. Not only out of reach, guilt out of sight, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Now, crucial, again, we tend to think, oh, God doesn't forget, doesn't remember our sin. I just can't forget what people have done to me. It doesn't say he forgets. It says he what? Remembers no more. Is there a difference? Yeah, if I forget, it's like, oh, I just, man, you people have so many debts, I can't remember them all. I can't keep track of all your sins. Jeez. No, it's not a, I can't remember. It's I don't remember. I put it out of reach, 
out of sight and I put it out of mind. So that's the description. But let me tell you where it is. Where's our guilt? Well, description, it's out of reach, out of sight, out of mind. But here's where it is. 1 Corinthians 15 says, regarding the gospel, Paul to the Corinthians, I delivered to you as of first importance what also what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, what we've been talking about, according to the scripture, and that he was buried. The significance of why that is of first importance, that Christ was buried, is this. When he paid the penalty for our sin, so that our debt, which was hostile to us, death a thousand times, He not only paid, but then when they placed him in the ground, buried him, our guilt is out of sight, out of reach, out of mind, because it is with Christ in the ground. It's buried with him. That's why November of 2018, a few years ago, maybe some of you were here, in looking at our guilt before God, we gave out little red strips that said our certificate of debt. And you took a few moments for everybody who was here and wrote all the sin that they, all the trespassing that they had done. And it wasn't nearly enough space, but we wrote them all down. And then one by one, we came up and we had crosses up here and we hung them on the cross as a reminder that they have been taken out of the way. Why? Because they were nailed to the cross. But then the next week, we didn't do our service inside. We did our service out behind the youth buildings in the field. And we took those thousands of certificates of debt and we dumped them into the ground. And one by one, every person there grabbed a shovel and covered it up, buried the certificate of debt. Why? Because it was a reminder that when Christ died, he paid. And when he was buried, he took our guilt and he put it out of reach, out of sight, out of mind, and in the ground with Christ. If you haven't been by there, here's what it looks like now. It's a place on our campus to remember that our sin and our guilt's gone. And I want to encourage you in the next, between now and Easter, why don't you take a minute and go by and just say, thank you, Lord. You know, you know everything that I've done, all of my trespasses, past, present, and future. It's gone. It's buried. It's in the ground. And bless God who has blessed you with forgiveness. See, if we don't take those moments like we do in the Lord's Supper, 
like we do in our times of worship, if we don't take the moments to remember our sin and remember our forgiveness, we're not going to bless God. And as we'll see in a moment, we're not going to bless others because our love is in relation to what? The extent that we have been forgiven. The extent by which we can go there and go, God, that is a boatload of trespassing that you have paid for and buried and taken out of the way. My guilt is gone. Bless God. So what do we do with the fact that it's taken out of the way? Well, first, the scripture says, the blessing for those who have been blessed with forgiveness is to praise God, to bless him for the sending of his son, to pay our penalty. I'm going to challenge us again. If you're tempted to be a person, this is why I went over, quite frankly, to the north. I just wanted to worship with north for a bit in the back of the room. And to hear, are we blessing God? Are we singing as ones of those who've been forgiven for 50 bucks or for 50,000? How are you singing? Are you singing as one who's been forgiven 50 or 50,000? Or 50 million? We, what's the scripture say? The first first verse in this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with what? By choosing us and adopting us and redeeming us and forgiving, canceling our debt. And here's what I want you to see that we haven't looked at in verse 8. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished. You probably haven't said the word lavish in the last two weeks. But when you hear the word lavish, what I love about the word is, at least for me, it's like, wow, that's a clear picture. To lavish something is to what? Is to go over the top. It's to do something in extreme. And so when I saw lavish, I immediately had a picture in my mind from our house with pancakes. You like pancakes? Pancakes are even better when you lavish them with log cabin syrup. (laughs) But when it comes to syrup in our house, Our kids grew up, they would testify to this without doubt, our kids grew up with a dad who thought you should put this much syrup on pancakes. Nice little design. But you know what their mother thought about syrup on pancakes? And I would be thinking, stop, stop, stop. Too much, too much. We could feed children in Africa with all that. (laughs) And you know what? My wife's idea was this. 
if you don't have syrup left on your plate after the pancakes are gone, you didn't have enough. Because there should always be some, and I would think, no, if there's some there after the pancakes are gone, you had too much. But what is lavish? This is lavish. It continues to pour. Now watch, don't miss. Why does God lavish his grace on us? Why? Because your trespasses, 50 or 50 grand. 50 or 50 grand, your trespasses. Past. What about present? Because are you going to trespass today? And what's he going to do? Lavish grace. You're going to trespass tomorrow? Next week? See what I'm saying? I think... We don't sing very loud. We don't praise very much because we think, well, Jesus paid for the sins of my past, but it's my responsibility to pay for the sins of my present and future. And the power of the cross, don't miss it, the power of the cross is that he has lavished grace that has covered my sins past, present, and future. It's overwhelming grace that ought to produce overwhelming praise to God. Don't be embarrassed by that. Yes. Yeah, seriously. Yes. You're like, oh, that's a little awkward. So's a prostitute watching Jesus' feet. And that's when he said to the righteous non-screamers in the room, you people who love little because you think you are forgiven little. So scream all you want, my bad. Seriously. In the meantime, my fingers are getting a little sticky up here. Second, because I have lavish grace, I refuse to live in what Jesus died to take away. One of the greatest offense to the gospel is that he has paid our penalty to remove our guilt and put it in the ground and we constantly dig it up as if he never took it away. We live with guilt We serve out of guilt. We parent out of guilt. We give out of guilt. And it's gone. If we have believed in Jesus, it's in the ground. Stop digging it up. In fact, one of the things some of you might want to do is to take a moment between now and Easter and take the sin that you continue to hold yourself guilty for, write it on a piece of paper, 
And just by symbolically, go and bury it over there and declare before the Lord, I'm putting in the ground never to take up again what Christ has taken away. It's an offense. It nullifies the gospel when we hold ourselves guilty for what he has put in the ground. Third, I live for the one who gave me new life. Not but my works, but by his grace. I live for him, not out of dutiful obligation, but I am compelled by the grace of God. I'm compelled by the love of God who would forgive me, who would cancel my debt as great as it was. He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Every moment. Of every day. I go to school, not for me, but for him. I go to work, not for me, for him. I go home for him, to live for him, to live in public for him, to live in private for him. Why? Because of riches of grace dumped and dumped and dumped on me, past, present, and future. And fourth, As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Folks, this isn't just a silly list. You want to bless your classmates? You want to bless your neighbors? You want to bless your boss? You want to bless your coworkers? You want to bless your spouse? Bless them with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because that's what you've been blessed with. And don't stop there. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. In other words, watch. As God has lavished grace on you, even though you have sinned against him, when someone sins against you, tells a lie, hurts you, ignores you, forgets you, turns on you, stabs you in the back, what do you do? You go, Are you sorry? You sorry? Super sorry? Never to do it again? If I do it, if you do it again, I'll I'll never forgive you. Isn't that what you do? We have had it dumped on us. And when it comes to then doing for others what God has done for us, we're like. Uh, you won't walk on me. You won't take advantage of me. I, if you're really, really sorry, promise to never do it again. I, I might forgive you, but if you do it again, I'm taking it back. I'm digging it up. We are recipients of lavish grace and then stingy as can be with giving it to others.
And the greatest, don't mess it, the greatest blessing, even more powerful than a loud song of praise to our God, is the voice and the heart that says to your spouse or to your kids or to your parents or to a sibling or to a best friend who has hurt you, I forgive you just as I've been forgiven. It's a stain on the name of Christ when the people of God don't forgive as they have been forgiven. The riches of his grace is a blessing to others when we freely forgive as we have been freely forgiven. See, it came up again in Q&A. The question is, but what if they take advantage of me? And friends, listen, as long as that question is on the table, we're always going to be stingy with grace. Grace at its core gives the opportunity to be taken advantage of. You do it with the Lord. I do it with the Lord. It's the power of grace lavished on us. You've been forgiven freely. Would you forgive others freely? Not once, not twice. Not three strikes and you're out. But as lavishly as you've been forgiven. Blessed to be a blessing. I want you to bow with me. And if you are in need of forgiveness. From God. That begins by acknowledging You deserve wrath. You deserve death. You deserve hell. But you believe Christ has paid the penalty. I want to invite you. So simply declare right now to the Lord, Lord, I am a trespasser. I am guilty. I deserve a death sentence, thousands. But I believe in your son, the Lord Jesus. And I receive the gift of forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness. Only those who believe in Jesus can receive it. If you have never placed faith in Jesus, I invite you right now, whether you're in middle school or high school, college, a parent, empty nester, single, everybody needs forgiveness. Jesus has paid your debt. Would you receive it 
by faith. If you've been living for yourself, I want to invite you right now to change your mind, to repent, to determine in the quietness of your heart and your seat right now that you will say, Lord, having died for me, I will live for you. You're worth it. You deserve it. I love you. You tell him right now, I'm going to live for you. And if you have bitterness in your heart because you just can't forgive someone, maybe you don't want to, maybe you want to make them pay, maybe you think they don't deserve it. in response to the great grace of God to you. Would you determine right now, Lord, as you have forgiven me, I'll forgive them. And I, if they're still living, I'm going to voice it to them. I would beg you, don't continue to live with bitterness and a grudge. If you will by faith forgive, you will appreciate and love all the more the God who has forgiven you. Lord, we thank you that you have lavished us with grace that no debt is too large or too small, but that you have canceled it through your death in our place. You have buried it so that we might never live with it again. And you have been raised so that we could walk in new life, compassionate life, kind life, grace-giving life. Thank you for your love, for mercy, for newness in Jesus. To the praise of your glory, we pray. If we stand now with me, and let's declare, not with a casual voice, but with a loud voice, a voice that loves our God for his great grace that he has set us free. Let's worship him.